unlearning and the learning new knowledges and bringing that worldview of epistemological equivalence, so like that equivalence of the importance of all diverse knowledges, particularly Indigenous knowledges, which are thousands of years old. But yeah, it was such a shame that we didn't learn that through psychology. But I am just so privileged that I'm working in this space that is really supporting that change and really starting to see momentum and, and traction around providers, so universities starting to incorporate and really do it authentically and with proper engagement around incorporating Indigenous knowledges. So the next generation of graduates are getting really core foundational knowledges and an inclusive psychology education, which is the utmost importance. Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. Hello and welcome to the first of a two-part podcast episode, Decolonising Psychology. We are honoured today to be able to listen to Professor Pat Dudgeon AM, Belle Selkirk and Dr Joanna Alexi, a few of the many inspirational leaders in Australia who are challenging and redefining dominant Western paradigms in psychology as part of the Australian Indigenous Psychology Education Project. We will hear about the history of the project and the resilience and determination of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders who have persisted over many years to include Indigenous world knowledges into psychology curriculum. Thank you and welcome. I'm really excited to be able to hear about the Australian Indigenous Psychology Education Project's journey. Firstly, though, would you like to introduce yourselves? Well, um, my name is Pat Dudgeon. I'm a research professor with the University of Western Australia. I live and work on beautiful Noongarbuja um, for at least two-thirds of my life, but my people are from the Kimberley, so I come from the Bardi and the Gidja people of the Kimberley. My background um, is I'm a psychologist and I've been working in the space for a very long time. I think my challenge has been to um, to decolonise psychology. So when I studied, I started studying because I wanted to help other people. But I found that we, Indigenous people, did not fit into psychology back then. This is going back into the 80s, 1980s, um, but we didn't fit in. So that's my motivation. And we're really pleased to be here to share information about our deadly project called the Australian Indigenous Psychology Education Project. But um, the people who do the heavy lifting in the project are the um, wonderful Belle and Joanna. So I'll ask them to introduce themselves. So I'm I'm Belle. I'm a Noongar woman. I'm from the southwest of Western Australia. My uh, family are the Wadundi people. So that's about three hours south of Perth. And I often say it's a very privileged time of my life where I get to live, work and play on my country, but also do such phenomenal work in Professor Pat Dudgeon's team and alongside the wonderful Joanna. Um, that is a real gift to, to be able to live in a rural area but also work in such a phenomenal team that does national work. So I, I am thankful for that and, and um, like to always acknowledge that that is a privilege that I'm holding. We all hold different privileges, so I'm, that's one that I like to acknowledge. So I'm a, a clinical psychologist by training have been practicing for 13, 14, 15 years. Sometimes I forget um, those numbers. Um, predominantly worked in um, Indigenous and non-Indigenous programs, both here in Australia and in Canada, um, predominantly in adult mental health spaces. And really it's been in the last two years that I've been working in, in research as a research fellow with Professor Pat Dudgeon. So that's a new kind of shift for me to move from, I guess, a very strong kind of uh, clinical and community and family focus to then moving into a research space 
um, which I'm really enjoying and um, definitely flexing muscles that I haven't flexed in many years. But actually what's really cool is seeing these two parts of the same world kind of coming together. So a lot of the work that we do in the Australian Indigenous Psychology Education Project, it's really nice to see all the work that we're doing from a systems level and how that is then translating to practice, whether it's um, education or, or working with people in communities. So it's a really enjoying part of, of my career, bringing both that clinical and research together to do good work for our mob. So just a little bit about myself, I'll be really quick. So I have Greek Cypriot heritage. I was born on beautiful Larrakia country in Darwin, um, where I spent most of my childhood and, and just so grateful that I had, you know, such a great childhood in, in Darwin. And um, yeah, always go back there and, and see family. So it's really nice to connect back in with family there. Um, I moved to Noongar country as a teenager. I also lived in Cyprus for a little bit before that. Um, and I've been in Noongar country for the longest I've lived anywhere. And um, yeah, just very blessed to to live, work and play here and to work alongside the, the wonderful Pat and Belle on the Australian Indigenous Psychology Education Project. Um, I, I also have a background in psychology. Um, I did my undergrad and postgrad at, at UWA and specifically research, but, but in a different, um, space. And, and I think, you know, I guess my values around health equity and social justice have really led me to working with Pat and, and in this really great project. And just like Belle said, being able to see some of those system changes that are happening and just how much the APEP project has achieved already is actually so phenomenal and such a massive privilege to be able to work in this space right now. Um, and, and also acknowledging the long and, and hard years of groundwork that Pat and team put in, you know, before this second iteration of APEP. So just wanting to pay acknowledgements there. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you all for those beautiful introductions. Do you want to tell me a little bit about how the project started? What gap it was responding to? When I was doing psychology, there was nothing about Indigenous um, culture in it. There was nothing about anyone else who wasn't white, middle class, actually. So I personally didn't witness it, but I know some of my colleagues, Aboriginal colleagues, had said that they saw where um, uh, Aboriginal people were mainly put under abnormal psychology or, or the perception was, you know, that they drink a lot and, you know, they had a lot of problems, so they were put into that category. But, you know, it was scarcely any presence at all. And going through the program, it, you know, all it was very Western. I couldn't see how um, Indigenous realities fit, fit into that at all. Um, I gritted my teeth and went through it, though. I went through it and completed. But I think for me, oh, I don't know, I had this insight when I was reading this journal by uh, African-American psychologists and they just stepped totally back from the paradigm and and um, rather than trying to fit into it, which I think mentally I was trying to do, they actually stepped out of it and looked at the whole paradigm and saw it, named it. You know, we didn't have the, the terminology back then, but saw it as a colonial construct that really did not include us. Um, and that was very liberating for me. So since then, I think uh, for all Indigenous scholars in all disciplines, part of our, our job has been or our task has been to critically um, examine all these disciplines and see where we don't fit, which is usually we don't fit, we're not mentioned or we're mentioned in 
negative ways. It's always, you know, not its deficit-based presence. And um, there was very little, you know, there's no respect or acknowledgement of different knowledge systems, um, different identities, and and most of all, the history that shaped us to be where we are. So that was always my bugbear. I was managing an Indigenous education centre where we did a lot of work, uh, you know, changing curriculum, um, looking at trying to take education out to the community, coming up with programs that um, reflected Indigenous values and and very much about empowering the community. So I did that for a long time and it was... um, but I still kept my, um, it was hard work, but I still kept um, my presence in psychology. And over over the years, as Bell says, you know, we've witnessed this change, but from a very place where they didn't, psychology and psychologists didn't want to know about us. So there's been this absolute transformation of the space, which is really enheartening, I'd say. But for me, the IPAP project symbolises a lot of that work that we've done earlier. And there wasn't only me. Um, I was one of the first Indigenous psychologists to graduate, but there are others working in the space like Pat Swan, who did the Ways Forward report. You know, there was a lot of people um, trying to challenge the hegemony, which it was. So, and saying, you know, our perceptions of health, mental health are different to mainstream. So that conversation was happening, but it was very muffled and not part of mainstream as it is now. So psychology has been very resistant and that that was very odd. I mean, anthropology and the other disciplines were more open because they were concerned with you know the the positions of other indigenous people their worldview and so on so i think they were a bit more open to cross cultural appreciation at least but psychology never ever turned that gaze inwards but we worked with dedicated people other indigenous mental health professionals psychologists and our allies very important and now we see the IPAP project, which I won't go into detail yet. I'm going to build the listeners up so they, they get excited about it. And when we come to talk about it, they'll give it um, full appreciation. But I'll hand over to Belle again to talk about um, what motivated her and what her experiences were um, as a young psychologist in this area. So over to you, Belle. So it's interesting to kind of hear your experiences and then, you know, fast track maybe a decade later and and then, you know, so it's probably actually early 2000s was when I did my undergraduate and similar to your experience, I would say zero to two percent Indigenous knowledges were even referenced when I was doing my undergraduate. And at that time, I, I had a hard time conceptualising how psychology fit for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I, Felt confused for a lot of the time, but had this kind of sense of there's there's something more here. And I had some, I guess, some great people around me who just encouraged me to just keep going. Just you know, even even though you're not too sure how this content is fitting for community, or you're not too sure how you feel about the profession of psychology, continue on as best you can. And once you're in the workforce, that's when some real growth can happen and um, meeting with, with other Indigenous psychologists. And in the early 2000s, there were some Aboriginal psychologists working in our country. So I had a little bit of hope that there was something more to this, but it certainly that wasn't my experience going through that education. So I think in the times when I was going through my, my university careers, I think as an Aboriginal student, you had to have a lot of gumption 
and determination and kind of, um, for better words, see the wood through the trees in many ways and almost like jump the hoops, do the exams, do all the things to get to the end. Now, that's a bit sad that that's actually was the state of affairs at that time, but that's kind of what we had to do to get into the workforce. And even after graduating, so I went through my undergraduate, went through my master's, and even after graduating, going through um, registration programs to register as a psychologist, it was very much jumping through the, the white ways of doing things hoops, as I call them, all those colonial hoops. Again, that's that's kind of a sad experience for a lot of Aboriginal people to, to have to experience in their education. And, you know, it makes me feel sad to think that, you know, some Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students probably didn't go, didn't persist through their, all, all their trajectory went somewhere else. And maybe that for, for good or bad reasons. But for me, I, I, I stuck it out and I, you know, got to meet wonderful people like Professor Pat Dudgeon in my very early career. And that was very helpful to have those relationships early in my career to kind of see that what I was learning and who's practicing and the kinds of works that are happening out there in the community were quite different. And I would say I didn't really reconcile that within myself for many, many years. I think the confusion around like what psychology was for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people lingered for me for many years. Um, I continued with my clinical practice and enjoyed, you know, being, you know, and still to this day, enjoy very much practicing as a psychologist. But I would say it's really only been in the last five, yeah, five or more years that I've really felt that decolonizing psychology and Indigenous psychology has really had momentum and volume around it in a way that I've been feeling less dissonance within myself as an Indigenous psychologist and I'm feeling more cohesiveness and integration of, okay, this is what Indigenous psychology is. We have a really beautiful collective of, of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander psychologists in Australia now. Of course, we need more and, and we'll talk about that with APEP. But we also, there's, there's also Indigenous psychologists um, all over the world and we're really shifting away from, I guess, what my schooling experience was, that there is this one psychology, this universal psychology from a Eurocentric standpoint, this is what psychology is, this is what the norm is, and anything out of that is kind of the weird or different or an anomaly, or as Anipat said, it's abnormal. So that was kind of by and large the, I guess, the impression that I had from my education. And it's been such a, a beautiful but challenging journey for me to to start to kind of unlearn some of these colonial teachings from my psychology education and I'm still unlearning always unlearning and shifting and changing and challenging in beautiful ways of how I practice as a psychologist my standpoints my ethics and principles challenging you know what the discipline of psychology means as you know best practice or true thank you Annie Pat and Belle for that background is there anything else you would like to add Joe? Um, I think, you know, coming out of the degree, not knowing much and, and feeling probably actually not equipped to be able to work in this space, but having the privilege of having Pat's guidance. And like Belle was saying, that unlearning and the learning new knowledges and, and bringing that worldview of epistemological equivalence, so like that equivalence of the importance of all diverse knowledges, particularly um, Indigenous knowledges, which are thousands of years old and so ancient and 
and important to, to, you know, really saving the world, actually, when we think about things like climate change and those sorts of areas. But yeah, it, it was a, such a shame that we didn't learn that through psychology. But I am just so privileged that I'm working in this space that um, is really supporting that change and, and really starting to see momentum and, and traction around providers, so universities starting to incorporate and really do it authentically and with proper engagement around um, incorporating Indigenous knowledges. So the next generation of graduates are getting um, really core foundational knowledges and an inclusive psychology education, which is the utmost importance. When we did start talking about an Indigenous psychology, I think the discipline was really offended by it. They were very indignant. You know, they said, well, how can you have an Indigenous psychology and who's going to determine it and what's it going to look like? Then they said things like, well, why don't we have an Italian psychology or a Vietnamese psychology? And we were saying, why don't you have that? Indeed, you know, it's not uh, exclusive. You should be considering all the different cultures that make up our diverse society. And we pushed on. I think there, you know, there was a lot of the whole thing about knowledge production, who values, who makes knowledge is part of the colonising story. And I'm so grateful to be here now. Um, and I've just got back from the, the wonderful Loicha, um conference in Cairns. And it was just so everyone was talking up their knowledges, their projects, their research that they were doing. And it's such a different landscape. And my discipline was doing things that, you know, they could never do nowadays. I remember going to one conference in South Africa, actually, and they decided to have a debate on is there an Indigenous psychology and can it be scientific? But you had two white men having the debate. So we had um, an English person and an American person having the debate. It was so incredibly offensive. And I think a lot of people, they, when the, they had the debate, there was a lot of support for them in the audience. You know, we were sort of protesting, of course, but there was a lot of support because I think that, that for is Indigenous people take their rightful place. For some non-Indigenous people, it's going to be a challenging time before they could go and do their research willy-nilly on Indigenous um, or, or, you know, minority groups who were oppressed and no one ever questioned it and they did it for the greater good, you know, putting rabbit ears up. They did it for the greater good and they just um, saw that, you know, their rights and privileges to access people from oppressed minorities was, you know, their privilege. They didn't even question it. So all of a sudden you've got these um, people now standing up and say, you're saying nothing about us without us and what about our perspectives? What about our knowledges? You know, we had a big racism roundtable back in the late 90s when no one was speaking about racism at the time. So um, we organised with the Australian Psych Society a big um, round table to put racism back on the table. It needed to, um, and now we know nowadays that, you know, it's so, so um, obvious. So, you know, we come from a, a situation where we were excluded. However, we're not the only ones. Belle and Joe said earlier how it's a global issue. And we are connecting up with our um, other Indigenous psychologists from other countries, particularly settler nations like Australia, so particularly New Zealand, Canada and the um, US of A. 
But it was actually Southeast Asia that led a task force within the American Psychological Society um, or Association, APA, and they set up a task force on Indigenous psychology, which we are a part of, and they wrote what Indigenous psychology was all about, which is, you know, still our mantra to go to. And it is about taking a critical view on psychology as a discipline and being critical about can it fit us or not, but also developing local knowledges. So whether we like it or not, in most disciplines, we have to be political. We have to stand back and look at what's happening or how disciplines have excluded us, and they all have, as part of that colonising story. So I personally take an anti-colonial standpoint on issues because a lot of the things that happen to Indigenous people, you know, that take over countries, the genocide, the removal of people off their country into missions and reserves, and later on the assimilation policies have impacted on our well-being and our sense of ourself and the importance of our culture. So we're part, we're all the disciplines, but psychology in particular, are embedded into this colonial history, which now we're, we're challenging as a nation. And we're also privileging Indigenous knowledges. A few years ago, we had won a grant to do um, from the Office of Teaching and Learning to look at um, indigenizing the curriculum. So it had two points. It had we wanted to indigenize or look at the possibility of indigenizing psychology curriculum, but also um, strategies of increasing Indigenous students into psychology. Just recently, you know, we've had this um, great explosion of people engaging, but previously there were very few Aboriginal students in psychology for a lot of different reasons. But we started the project and it was a good little project. It was We were working in very um, hostile environment, though. People really, you know, we cobbled together a group of people who are interested and were progressive in their thinking. And we did develop um, two frameworks, two important frameworks, three actually, but the two most important was strategies on how to indigenise your curriculum, also strategies on how to um, in, um, include or encourage Indigenous students into your program. So we worked hard on that. And um, at the end of it, we we had we had a little website up. We produced these reports and then we all were tied and moved on to other projects. And then recently we won a big NHMRC grant and there's uh, three big streams of it and one was education. So we decided that it would be a good idea to revive um, the Australian Indigenous Psychology Education Project. At that time, I didn't expect it to be what it became. I thought, oh, I had visions of me and Belle and Joe probably meeting up with some colleagues at conferences and having talks and, you know, doing the odd paper, but um, nothing more than that. But in our absence, the world had changed. And that original project actually was a catalyst for a lot of changes happening, even though they weren't apparent at that time. But it's certainly the accreditation body, for instance, started looking at what it was doing um, in in terms of uh, including diversity issues. So there was a whole lot of different change. Plus, I think we had the old people who were probably a bit limited in their thinking. They had retired and we had new people now, new generations of people who wanted something different from psychology and they were very much conscious of the whole world. I think 
the issue for psychology, it's tried hard to pretend it is a science and it's tried hard to pretend that other things don't impact on it, you know, the social determinants that surround us all the st- and that the holistic nature of all disciplines and particularly psychology, which is the great gift that an Indigenous psychology brings in as well, and the importance of local knowledges and different knowledges. So that change had started happening and we were probably a part of it. We were certainly, I think, the catalyst for change that had had happened in our discipline. And so we reconvened IPAP with not great expectations, but then it just flourished. That must have been so rewarding to have been a part of. Belle and Joe, did you want to add to what Pat described? So in particular, the Australian Psychology Accreditation Council, and they're the body that is responsible for accrediting universities who have an accredited psychology program in Australia. So from that first iteration of APEP, they uh, revised some of their accreditation standards, particularly to bring cultural responsiveness into the teaching of psychology. That was such a game changer and what we kind of call a, a system shift. And so universities shifted from, you know, an optional or a nice to have Indigenous knowledges or cultural responsiveness with working with diverse populations. It was shifted from a nice to have to you must have this as part of your accreditation standards. And we want aspiring psychologists and and young psychologists coming through or students of psychology, we want them to have these essential foundational learnings and skills as as part of psychology. So that really created such a groundswell of change amongst our higher education providers. Part of the Australian Indigenous Psychology Education Project is is really supporting uh, universities and higher education providers to do those curriculum changes that they need to do, not just as a matter of accreditation standard, but actually legitimately to, in a heartfelt and ethical way, bring um, Indigenous knowledges into the teaching of psychology and educating students around the discipline of Indigenous psychology. So, you know, aspiring psychologists or people to be aspiring to complete their university education we didn't get to see our lived experiences reflected in that curriculum, right? And I think that you know that really impacted then on my learning trajectory. So the the reforming curriculum is important for everyone. So it's you know it's like what Joe said in her introduction. Um, you know, having uh, everyone, whether you're Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander or not, need to have these foundational knowledges going into the workforce. Whether you continue to into the psychology workforce or related fields. We need to have these knowledges as part of our foundational understandings. We need to be able to work in culturally responsive ways with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and diverse peoples. Right. So the whole the whole workforce benefits from this, you know, decolonial shift that's happening in psychology education. And we're really hoping that um, more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people or even mature adults who are wanting to return to their education, that they are inspired and can see how psychology is relevant in their lives, their family lives, their communities' lives. 80% of universities have signed up to this community of practice and I think that really speaks to the level of importance of, of capacity building at the moment. So, you know, um, Bell had mentioned that the APAC standards that, that had come in um, around 2019 and since then has created this really massive movement where university educators now need to upskill themselves to be able to teach this content and do it 
confidently and also um, do it justice as well. And that is, you know, a, a massive process because it involves, you know, engaging with consultants, engaging with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations, hiring Aboriginal staff. So there's actually a lot of groundwork that needs to happen, relationship building, and that, you know, takes time and process. And so, you know, part of that uh, piece has been um, upskilling university educators, and it's a big part of what we do in terms of um, that community of practice. There's also work around actually embedding Indigenous content in in textbooks. So um, there's some textbook projects that we're part involved with. Um, one of them has recently been published. Um, we were a part of uh, Laurel Burton's psychology textbook, which is an introduction to psychology. And I was very fortunate to be a part of Pat, Bell and Kate's um, writing team in, in doing the Indigenous Psychology in Australia chapter, which was one of the first chapters um, in that textbook. And that's just been released. And it's part of that, I guess, foundational work of supporting current workforce, but also what can you do to start supporting that kind of, th those textbook materials that go alongside that teaching. So, so that's been a really great project. When we project. were studying psychology, the textbooks we had were either American or British. So you never had even Australian-based textbooks. So you read all the, you know, you look through the textbooks, all the examples were from a different country, and in English-speaking but different country, and all the photos, the case studies, all the content was very much American or British. Uh, I think Laurel um, Burton herself, you know, did a milestone when she produced an Australian um, introductory to psychology textbooks, and all of a sudden, you're seeing photos of Australian situations, you know, people that you knew and um, as case studies and whatnot. So that was really um, a, a wonderful thing. But now we've gone with Laurel Burton's support a step further and um, the, one of the first chapters in the, in the latest edition of that Introduction to Psychology is um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Psychology. The second um, chapter, because this book is meant for Australia and New Zealand, is a Maori psychology chapter. So that's absolutely fabulous. So going from not recognising yourself, you know, overall as a country in a um, textbook to seeing your country and then your people in there and your realities has been a big step forward. And I think that impacts on everyone and particularly the students who are studying those textbooks. You know, we're not on the outside looking in. We're actually in in the room now. So that's been fantastic. But I guess what we're kind of um, showing here is that within APEP we have, I, I say we have 101 projects happening at once, but they're all projects that line up together um, that bring, that comes together in this kind of multifaceted decolonising journey and there's there's no one approach. So, you know, we're working with higher education providers. We've started working with some partners in high school space. We're, we're looking at textbook projects. We have partners with our um, professional psychology bodies. We're building this workforce of culturally responsive uh, psychology students and hopefully psychologists in, in the field. But we need to also support the workforce to support these new graduates when they're coming out. So we need to build that bridge a bit so that when our uh, students of psychology, whether they become registered psychologists or not, but when these new graduates are coming into their field, they are being supported. Thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. I look forward to hearing more in the next episode. 
And to our listeners, if you would like to learn more about this work, there are interactive papers and fact sheets that accompany these podcasts. Please visit the Emerging Minds website at www.emergingminds.com.au to learn more. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, led by Emerging Minds, the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.